You are listening to The Scope, Phelps Health Podcast, episode 26. Today, we're answering frequently asked questions about the Phelps Health Foundation. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Paige Heitman. The Scope Podcast is produced on a regular basis and can be found by visiting phelpshealth.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your SoundCloud stream or subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also follow Phelps Health on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today, our guests are David F.W. Selzer, Executive Director of Phelps Health Foundation, and Marsha Raina Wayman, Director of Philanthropy at Phelps Health Foundation. So these are two of my really favorite people. I used to work in the foundation, so I'm really excited um, to do this show today. So welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. I know we can't see anybody's smiles. We were just talking about (laughs) that, so I'm going to assume you're excited. Yes. (laughs) So before we dive into some facts about the foundation and kind of what the foundation entails, go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourselves. David, I'll let you go first. I am a guy who spent 20 years at AT AT&T, so Mm -hmm. my background is really not uh, fundraising, even though I've spent more than that in fundraising now, and really through a life-changing experience with one of our children being sick. Uh, that's what really drove me to philanthropy when I saw the incredible amount of good that mm-hmm. people did for people they didn't even know. They didn't even know the people they were helping, and we were beneficiaries of that. So that's what got me into fundraising. It is so rewarding and so fulfilling. Um, but I did spend a fair amount of time at a few places moving around uh, as I got to know fundraising. Um, I loved my time at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. That was incredible. Working for Rotary International was a short stint, but a great stint. I learned a lot. And then I actually was on the ground floor of a foundation that started um, from ground zero to where it was when I left with uh, lots of revenue and people. So um, it's just a fun place. So it's my path has been a little bit, uh, most of it was in, in Illinois. This is my first uh, job in Missouri, um, and I love it here. So. It's a good Missouri job to have. It's a great place. (laughs) Marcia, how about you? Yeah, I come from a pretty diversified background, too. Um, I've worked in the public sector, the government sector. Um, Early in my career, I had the exciting experience of working for a leadership development company where we worked with those in leadership positions in all of the sectors of the economy. Mm -hmm. I was really drawn to the nonprofit sector. I just liked the concept of serving, of really looking at what those challenging issues were in communities and going out and seeing what I could contribute. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door in the nonprofit sector. And I've been there for the last 20 plus years. So yeah, and we'll you see where it, it goes. You do it not even professionally. You do it as a passion in your spare time as well, right? I do. I've been a volunteer in the communities that I've lived in, Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. Missouri, um, everywhere I've lived, I've always gotten ingrained in that community and found some kind of a passion or some kind of an activity that I want to, to be a part of. Yeah, that's amazing. So something else that I think is really unique to both of you as well, and something really cool about the the field of philanthropy and foundations is that both of you guys are certified as what are called CFREs. David, what is that? A certified fundraising executive. It's it's not easy to get, quite honestly. Um, Many, many jobs that are posted ask for that as a criteria, and it moves you right to the top, but many jobs hire with people without it. But it's a combination of years of experience, total dollars raised, education credits. Um, it, it takes a lot of work. I didn't get mine till later in my career. Mm-hmm. I think Marcia got hers a little earlier um, than I did. Well, she's younger than I am. So. <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. Um, but it, it really is. When you see someone who's a CFRE, you can pretty well know that they understand mm-hmm. the world of fundraising. 
Yeah, and there's a trust factor associated with that, correct? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's just dive in, Marsha. What is a foundation? So the foundation, from the perspective of the Phelps Health Foundation, is we are a 501c3, which is just a series of numbers and letters that says we have been granted tax exemption from the government to serve a mission. So we serve the mission of Phelps Health, the organization. Um, we're the fundraising arm of the hospital. So everything that we do um, is really for the benefit of the mission of Phelps Health. Absolutely. So within that alphabet soup that you just <laughs> talked about, can you guys define the difference between a nonprofit, a 501c3, and a tax-exempt organization? Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, let me, let me take a stab at it. The hospital is um, actually part of county government. It's a tax-exempt organization. Uh, governments are tax-exempt. They don't pay taxes. So they're tax-exempt. Where um, a nonprofit might be um, a political organization that is there for and other private nonprofits, but they may have uh, tax implications that they have to pay. Where 501c3 stands for the Internal Revenue Code, uh, Chapter 501, Subsection C, Item okay. Number Three. That's where those <laughs> funny that numbers come from. Comes in play. Yeah, but that specifically addresses foundations like the Phelps Health Foundation, where contributions to that foundation are tax exempt. Uh, so people don't pay tax on it. And the foundation, if they have a, um, a margin at the end of the year, so they brought in more money, hopefully, than they spent, they don't have to pay any kind of income tax on it. So it's a dual purpose, um, and it really helps the community. And you know what? It's at, Here's how we look at it. Being a 501c3 is a gift from the government and from the community, the people of the community. They say, okay, you guys don't pay taxes for anything. But in exchange for that, live your mission. Mm -hmm. You said, here's your mission, go out and live your mission in the community. And there have been court cases of organizations that are lost their 501c3, their tax exempt status, because they didn't provide enough to the community who gave them that status. So we, you know, we, uh, we take that very seriously with our community. Absolutely, I think that's a great way to define that. Marshall, why does a hospital need a foundation? That's a great question. We get asked that a lot. Um, kind of Dave alluded to it, you know, we're really the opportunity to bring revenue into the healthcare system without there being a tax implication. If you think of it this way, say if we were a, uh, a private corporation and we were raising money, raising revenue, we would have to then pay a certain amount of taxes on that. So our end benefit to the community and to the healthcare system would be greatly reduced. So by being part of that structure, you know, we're able to bring bring that into the hospital for benefit. So you guys are bringing a benefit to the hospital. What is your guys' mission as the Phelps Health Foundation? Well, our mission is to improve the health and wellness of the people in the region. Yeah, so, so it's the same as the serve. hospitals, right? Right, yeah. but and you can add on the front of our mission for the foundation specifically is to provide the financial support in order to improve the health and wellness yes. of the people in the region. So. Yeah, I love that. So what are some ways that the foundation supports Phelps Health? Let's get into that. Uh, last last weekend, we just did uh, 44 free mammograms uh, for women in the area who couldn't afford a mammogram, who don't have insurance or who have um, who are underinsured. Um, and in fact, one of them uh, we be reading about locally um, she sent us this awesome note and they found um, a problem where she now has to go in for a biopsy and we'll cover the cost of that as well. Um, but that's just one thing that we do. We've purchased vans uh, this year for driving around the hospital to take people from the parking lot uh, to the front door. 
Um, we purchased the, you know, everyone, COVID is uh, all the rage. Yes, the antibody right. testing machine, correct? Right, the antibody testing machine. That. So we helped purchase that through, again, help with the community through a fundraiser of t-shirts and Facebook uh, fundraising. Absolutely. So how are those decisions made as to what gets approved for donor funds? How, how, is the, how are those donor funds spent? It's kind of a combination. One is we work collaboratively mm -hmm. with Phelps Health just to determine, you know, what is part of their capital mm -hmm. plan and what is their strategic plan for the next three, five, seven, ten years. Yes. And we look at ways in which we can partner on specific um, initiatives. And then from a foundation perspective, and I'll let you know Dave kind of elaborate on this a little bit more. Funds that are collected through the foundation then do have to have board approval. So you know we're not necessarily the ones making the decisions where those funds are going. We definitely have oversight um, primarily from our own personal foundation board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and our board is made up of right now about 15 people from the community. So it's community members who donate and it's community members who decide how those funds are gonna be spent. And, and community members who then in turn make sure we communicate that to people as to how we're spending those funds. Yeah, so there's a community voice to it, right? It's not just yeah. Joe Schmo right. or right. David Selzer right. walking in and saying, today right. on my agenda. Because <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes people think that. We well, really are stewards mm -hmm. to the community. Yes. I mean, we have the privilege of, of being that voice, but then mm -hmm. also being the ones that work with those that, yeah. that actually ultimately yeah. decide that. That's probably the hardest part of the job is you'll have a donor who'll walk in and say, <laughs> I want to give money for, you know, a new... Uh, senior living complex with whatever and it's nowhere on the drawing board and you have to respectfully say no and try to convince them of like projects that the hospital does have yes. so uh, we don't just make those decisions there is a gift acceptance committee and um, who tells us really yeah absolutely do. so that kind of leads me into my next question about why should somebody give to Phelps Health Foundation what would encourage them to want to give I think somebody who is invested in the future of healthcare in our community. I mean, I always kind of like to use the analogy of, you know, when the hospital was first built back in the 40s and the 50s, you know, those those individuals had the foresight of our community is growing. We need healthcare, you know, in our community. And had they not done that, we wouldn't be where we are today. So in continuing that stewardship, you know, we're looking at the community to say, mm -hmm. you know, if that's important to us into the future, you know, or for our children or grandchildren, then here's our opportunity to be a part of that and continue that legacy. Absolutely. Yeah, for people who've never lived outside of Rala, um, you know, you go to Central Illinois population, 200,000 people, and then, then in the area about 400,000, and their hospital isn't even as big as this. Yeah. This is an absolute gem. It's a diamond in the rough because um, when, when you think about where you what you'd have for healthcare without Phelps Health, um, it, I, it's it's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. So I think people do it so that they can continue to have state-of-the-art healthcare right here in their own backyard. Yes, you are spot on, David. We talked about this in a, a previous podcast where we did some myth-busting with healthcare, right? And um, I think it was Dr. Radford, he said, we are, or maybe it was Dr. Creedy, he said, we're a metropolitan hospital in a rural area. Absolutely. Because of the technology that we have available to us, and a lot of it's probably through donor funds, through the community being involved and wanting to care for each other that we have that, right? Right. Yeah, we don't have that in a lot of rural communities. We're Absolutely. very, very lucky. So talking about gifts, can somebody make an anonymous gift and how do they do that? Yeah, they do. Well, it, it happens in a number of it ways. Should they but, do that. but you know, there's people who really 
um, uh, are humble people and they want to give the gift for giving the gift. They don't want to tax right. letter. Yes. They just want to give that gift. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's always, always, always the donor who decides though where the mm -hmm. gift ultimately goes. So that donor comes in and they want to give to the OB because their daughter had a fantastic emergency experience there. And they just want to quietly write that check. They don't want anyone to know. And that happens frequently. Yeah, it does. You know, well, we know who they are because they right. stopped in. Yes, but, yeah. You know, we occasionally get checks in the mail that we don't know who they are uh, except their name on the check. Mm -hmm. But um, Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. guys become really good friends with a lot of donors because yeah. we have Absolutely. such a close-knit community. Yeah. So Marcia, here's a really good question for you. And I think we would get asked this a few times whenever I worked in the foundation. Where can I find financial information about the foundation? Where do I, how do I know where my funds are going? And can I even ask that information as a donor? Uh, absolutely. And that is something that we get asked frequently. Sometimes people think it's top secret. Yes. Um, uh, generally, R990s, which are our tax documents, so how everybody you know completes their taxes each year from a 501c3, we complete what's called the Form 990. That's what we submit to the IRS. That's public information. So everything that is included in that, our revenue, what is expended, um, we're even required to to list some of those top donors so that there's transparency with that unless they you know indicated they're anonymous mm -hmm. um, that's available to the public and we actually do list that um, on our website um, it can also be picked up in person we usually have a hard copy from our offices or somebody can just call and request it and we can send that to them we also produce an annual report um, it's just a simplified um, kind of funds in funds mm -hmm. out transparency report um, that just shares with the public how those funds are used absolutely and that goes back to the idea of transparency right right in philanthropy why is transparency so important whenever you're working in in philanthropy david well i think it's all about you, you don't ever want to give the um impression that there's something not there or um and, and because that immediately cast a little shadow on your fundraising and what you're doing. So yes. you want to be above board. Um, if a donor were to walk in and say, hey, I want to know how your money was spent last month, we'll show them. I mean, it, because it's it's just that important. So what are my rights as a donor? Whoever wants to take that one. <laughs> just what Dave alluded to. I mean, if you have questions, any, any person who's contributed or even if they haven't contributed can just simply ask us, you know, who are you? What do you, what do you do? What is your mission? Yeah. And, you know, what do you support? And we belong to the Association for Healthcare Philanthropy. <laughs> and they actually publish a donor bill of rights mm -hmm. that we have in our office that shows mm -hmm. all of the rights of a donor. But it is the right to privacy if they want it. It is the right to make sure that their funds are directed where they want it to go. Um, and a, a most of the things that we've talked about here. Absolutely. So, you know, another question that comes up too, whenever people start giving for the first time and they don't know this, are their gifts tax deductible? To the extent of the law. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it used to be an Which easy answer. Right? It was an easy answer that was yes. So people who gave you a $100 check, right. they could deduct that $100 from their income tax. Well, now if they don't have enough of those deductions, which went up considerably, but so did the individual exemption, yes, um, it may not be. It may not be tax deductible in a separate or up, uh, above and beyond their individual exemption. Mm -hmm. So I hate to give that impression that they are, but they are yes. in fact tax exempt. So they don't have to pay. It reduces their income tax liability, but they may not, or they may be further ahead taking the individual exemption.
Okay, where would somebody find that information? Would they just need to do like a Google search to find out how much that, that level is that they would need to give so, each year? Um, you know, one thing that the the foundation started this past year is a planned giving advisory council, mm -hmm. which is compromised of community professionals in the era of tax advising, mm -hmm. wealth advising, insurance, yes. etc. Um, I mention that only because this is such an odd year mm -hmm. <laughs> in terms yes. of COVID. And one of the outcomes of COVID and some of the relief packages that have been passed and are part of legislation is the CARES Act. Um, you know, Dave alluded to, you know, normally you have to reach a certain level in order to get that tax deduction. Mm -hmm. There is um, some provisions for 2020 that even if you don't itemize your contributions, um, if you've given $300, um, you'll be able to item, you know, you'll be able to deduct those from your taxes. So we always recommend, you know, talking to a tax advisor, especially now <laughs> when, yes. when yeah. things are, because you know, we're not tax, we're not CPAs, um, but mm -hmm. we can share general information and we can definitely direct people. Where they you would you couldn't see my huge smile in my laughter page <laughs> when you said that because it is a generational thing. My first response is going to be, well, you call your tax accountant and ask them a question. Uh -huh. Your first response was Google it and Googling it, you're going to get the right answer. You yes. know? But I mean, it's just a, a difference. Yeah, difference so in generations, You can Google right? it and get the basic information, but you don't talk or to Or you can have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're both great they're answers. Both great. Exactly. Speaking of generational um, information, how can people receive news updates about the, the FUPS Health Foundation? What are you guys doing to spread information about what, what's going on? Well, we do send out, um, and we're, we're starting a regular newsletter that goes out. We have an annual report that we send out. Mm -hmm. And then we have letters that go out usually about four times a year that have an update on a specific um, something that we're doing or that we've completed. But there's also our website, our Facebook page. So people can go to those if they want at any time to see, get an update on what's happening um, at the foundation. And we continue to um, improve the information we're putting out there. So yes. Yeah, you guys are always doing tons of stuff in the community. And I know, David, your team is part of lots of different local chambers, um, all part of like the six county region that we serve, which is really cool too, mm -hmm. because you guys have a pulse on what's happening in all of the counties. So that's also a great way to get news out as well. Yeah, and we love, I mean, if, I think we all agree, if we could uh, spend more time out in our six county mm -hmm. region and less time in the office, that's that's our goal yes. for next year. So. Absolutely, that's a great goal to have. So I wanna take a step back um, for a minute and talk about gifts. Can people designate their gifts to a specific area? And you, David, you had alluded to this. If somebody comes in sure. and they wanna designate a gift, would you tell them, hey, let's wait? Or would you try to have a conversation about, hey, this is what the hospital's goals and initiatives are right now? Yeah, we'd like to explain to people that, you know, there is a, a board of community members who really do know, know best, know what the needs mm -hmm. are of the area. And we try to discourage somebody from um, um, restricting. There is a difference, a legal difference between restricting a gift that says, you can only use this for cardiac services. Mm -hmm. But then you need to find out, well, what cardiac services? Because if it's just cardiac services, you know, the minute we have a nurse working on the cardiac floor, we've used money. So do we use it to pay the salary? That's usually not what they intend. So right now we have one primary fund called our mission fund, and it's to support the mission of Phelps Health. And we try to ask, we do ask everybody and try to, 
uh, help them steer their gifts to the mission fund. And we show them where the mission fund is spent. Uh, the mission fund is available to every hospital department. They can apply for money when the budget cycle that we're going through now comes out. If there's things that the hospital says we can't afford this year, which there, there'll be a lot because yes. of the COVID, uh, then they'll come back to the foundation and say, you know, we really need a portable ultrasound uh, scanner for OB as we go to our rural clinic. So we bought one of those this year because they really had the need, but the funds just weren't there to do it. So and so all of the people wanted to give to OB, early childhood care, and those, they all helped fund that. But none of them probably would have known the, the need at the time they made their gift. Mm -hmm. So we do encourage people to give to the mission fund. That's where most of the gifts go to. Uh, we do have a couple of um, restricted, totally restricted funds. One is a capital campaign fund for future building growth. There are people who want to make sure that the, we have a sound infrastructure here. Yes. So they give to that. And then we're real excited that we just started um, an endowment fund. Oh, so the hospital's awesome. not had an endowment fund, and we just have it all set up. In fact, it goes to the board, I think, in a couple weeks. Yeah. Break that down approvals. for all of our listeners. What is an endowment fund? What's the value that that's going to bring? <laughs> it's really providing financial resources far into the future. I mean, past our lives even. Kind of what I alluded to before, you know, when our predecessors had the forethought of building a hospital, we're really kind of following that and saying we have the forethought now to put money aside so that we have funds available, you know, 50, 60 years into the future. Um, it's really an investment in the future. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it will involve legacy giving or mm -hmm. significant major gifts. Mm -hmm. So an endowment here locally, once the board has enough money set into the endowment that they can decide what the endowment will fund more than likely it will fund at least the intent now is to fund the needs of people in the region who have health care needs that they can't meet themselves either for underinsured or non-insured mm -hmm. so um, again you'll see fantastic uh, improvements in healthcare yes. access as yeah, a result of the endowment people don't realize that even if you have insurance mm -hmm. that's going to cover most of it there's all those other expenses it's just devastating yes. to a family medical diagnosis such as cancer and other you know critical diseases is the number one reason for bankruptcy in the united states and so looking at it from the perspective dave just described a local family that you know this is impacting people locally and the fact that we can build an endowment and help offset that in the future i mean i think that's that's incredible yeah, the impact you guys will be able to make, that's going to be huge. So I want to ask a few more questions before we wrap up here today. Um, and one of those is, why should somebody give local? What's the difference between giving local and giving to like these huge national charities, which are also really great? You know, I would say just make sure you know who you're giving to. Look into it. Um, if you're giving to a national organization, make sure that they're doing something local or something that is... Uh, life-changing so just make sure you know who you're giving to and why you're giving to them um, I think people I talked to one person who was surprised that we do really more for the people in Phelps County than like American Cancer not that they're a bad group right, you yes. know they provide great stuff but if you're looking for patient care and you're looking for that type of helping your neighbor um, I think giving local 
makes an impact, it a makes larger a impact, impact probably. Yeah. And, yes. So Marsha, I have a question for you too. Sure. If somebody can't give a gift of money, what are other ways that they can give to a foundation oh, like HelpSolve? That's a fantastic question. Um, you know, in addition to monetary support, um, there are times when in-kind donations can be beneficial. And I mention those because sometimes we have, you know, auctions or other fundraisers. So let's say you have a service or a good you can donate, those can be beneficial. The gift of time is incredibly valuable. I mean, not only for, you know, helping even spread the word of our mission, but, you know, spending time serving on a board, serving on a committee. I mean, it really takes an entire community to, to fulfill what we do. So monetary is wonderful in kind, but mostly time and support are wonderful ways to get involved. Yeah, and Paige, some people don't realize that, um, you know, the, the 100 shares of AT&T stock that you got as a kid from grandpa, you know, and now 60 years later, it's worth a lot of money, those paid up assets. Um, they're expensive to cash in. You've got a lot of taxes to pay and everything. Whereas if you gift them to a foundation, you can actually save yourself money on taxes that you might have on your property. or So gifts of property, paid up assets and that, um, People don't realize how much they do have. It's it's not cash, but it's as yes. good as cash. Which is why they should have a conversation with you guys. Right? Call Marsha. We yes. can give you an, yes. entire, <laughs> an entire list of ideas. Absolutely. So I think that's a great way to kind of wrap up our show. Thank you guys for being here today. We really appreciate your time and expertise. Thanks so much for tuning into The Scope. If you liked our show and would like to know more, check out popsolve.org.